the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Ersam and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is part of our Anzac Day special series and is on the band The Rajas. Before they renamed themselves The Rajas, the band was previously known as The RJs and they were one of the most popular acts in Australia. As Dig Richards and The RJs, they spread the rock gospel around the country and their success was only rivaled by the likes of Johnny O'Keefe and Cole Joy. After a frantic five years, the first wave of the rock and roll phenomenon started to die down. The bigger, more prestigious gigs were becoming harder to come by, so the RJs and Dig decided to go their separate ways. Dig became Digby Richards, the solo artist, and the RJs, who were guitarist John Hayden, Leon Isaacson on drums, and bass player Mike Lawler, then became the Rajas. There was no animosity with the split between Dig and the band, and it was purely a business decision. In fact, they would remain great mates, and for Digby's early solo recordings, the band would still even back him in the studio. Okay, that now brings you up to speed on how the band came to be known as the Rajas. This episode focuses on their experience playing in Vietnam. Prior to entertaining the troops, they became known as the Australian Beatles, and they also backed Johnny O'Keefe on his national tours. The Rajas would also become the house band for festival records, and they provided the backing on countless hit songs. Virtually anything festival records released with a solo singer from the late 1950s up until the mid-60s, more often than not, also featured the Rajas. In the coming episodes, we'll again take a look at the Rajas and expand on their fantastic story on how they became known as the Australian version of the Beatles. Interviewing Leon is the podcast producer, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. Leon starts off telling us about how the band first came to hear about touring Vietnam. We'd just done another tour to New Zealand with Lonnie Lee, you know, and we'd just come back from that. And Lucky's manager, Bill Watson, said, uh, I'm going to send you boys to Vietnam with with, uh, with Lucky. And John said, so where's Vietnam? And I said, oh, I don't know. I'll look it up in my old atlas, you know. <laughs> I said, I'm sure there's a war going on there somewhere, isn't there? He said, yeah, oh, yeah. So we had, we had to sign all these papers, you know, that virtually all said, if you get killed, you know, you, you can't sue us. <laughs> So uh, so they packed us up in a, in, a, in a C-130, Hercules, and we flew from Sydney to Pierce. Then we had to fly around Indonesia because they would have shot us down if we were 30 miles close to them, and we went to Butterworth, and, and then we flew from there into, uh, into Saigon, and that was October 1965. Right, though, in the, the heart of it, the meat of it. Oh, yeah, well, you know, but uh, so we were the first band to ever go there. You know, well, our Lucky went over in a in a Boeing BOAC, I think, and we met up with him at in Saigon, and away we went, and we did all these shows in Ben. The, the, all the trips were in Benoit then, and we did all these shows for the Australian trips in Benoit and the Americans and everything. And boy, that was an eye opener, the whole thing. You know, wow, you know, because we always thought it. You think about war being in black and white and suddenly it's in colour and then you're there. And you're seeing it. And they're shooting at you. (laughs) For the guys in the Rajas, they'd gone from a carefree lifestyle that came with being a successful rock band to now finding themselves smack bang in the middle of a war zone 
It was quite an eye-opener for the band. We were so young, you know, we were only 21 or something, and uh, you'd just think you're invincible, and, and the whole thing was a bit of a laugh. So you nowadays you'd be thinking, oh, God, I don't want to be here, but you, as you said, you thought you were invincible and you, you were rock and rollers yeah. and you were there to entertain. Yeah, yeah, well, we, we had no axe to grind, so we weren't, we didn't have a gun, any guns, but... Uh, but, I mean, I do think back at incidents where you think, well, God, I could have been easily killed there. Yeah. Sort of came out unscathed physically. Did Mentally, did it take a bit of a toll when you came back to Australia and you sort of went, wow, this just... Well, after, after we've been there for about the first time, about three or four months, you know, you come back to Australia and you do suddenly feel this wave of relief that, that nobody's trying to shoot you. And the first time we had a backfire of a car, we're in, we're, the three of us were in a cab, and we all, we all hit the deck. Yeah. And the cab well, driver said, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so because that's what you did, you know. And we, and we got shot out a few times going through checkpoints and stuff like that. And there's probably no talk of post-traumatic stress disorder or any of that sort of stuff. It was, you know, pull your boots up and get on with it, boys, I suppose. Oh, yeah, it was. And, uh, I mean... Look, it was hard enough for the soldiers and everything to, to live there, let alone fight a war, you know, in the heat and they got in the food and in the jungle and God knows what else. It was pretty horrible. But at the time we thought, well, uh, naively, that we the Australians are doing a great job for the Vietnamese who would ask them to come over, you know, and, and the same with the Americans, you know. The Rajas Beetle Act saw you guys play a concert for the local Vietnamese, probably their first experience of rock and roll. What was that like as a gig? Oh, that was fabulous. That was really fabulous. We, we ran into uh, one of the clubs and messes we were playing at in Saigon. Uh, the Americans had all these different clubs. That we, we used to play a different one every night, just about. And one of the local promoters called Bang, the Vietnamese, he... Uh, he said, oh, I have a job for you to play in theatre, you know, for uh, for all the locals. And so we said, yeah, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And suddenly he made this big sign, you know, and it said, number one enemy of Beetle in world, Raja from Uktalai, Australia. So that was a bit of a crack up. And when we did the show, it was there, like there wasn't a, a white person An in enemy them. meant band. Yeah, Did yeah. Did stand for band in Vietnamese? No, or? no, no, no. It said band the Rajas. And we went, what's this band the Rajas? And he said, no, ah, oh, means band. But there's built B-A-N. Oh, okay, I've got you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it means, means band. means number one enemy of Beatle in world. Oh, I see. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> and the joint was packed on it. We did a couple of theatres. And there was no no white guys there or anything, so we had to hit them with a bit of Vietnamese or, you know, say hello and all that stuff, and they were fabulous. So that was just like playing to an old old Beatle crowd, you know. And was it reminiscent to when, because you were at the start of rock and roll in Australia in, in the late 50s, was it almost like that all oh, of a yeah, sudden? Oh, yeah, it, it was all the screaming and everything. Oh, they, they, were, they were pretty uh, uh, subdued when we started, and then John came out with his big... Uh, speech he said king chow quivy which uh means hello everybody you know, or hello ladies and gentlemen it was very classy and they all went oh, oh and they were going woo and then he said 
Now, we'd like you all to clap along in this song, he said in Vietnamese, but he said it wrong, and, and they all went, oh, and they all just applauded. He said, oh, no. But anyway, we, we, we got them all going, and, and we finished with Oop, 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 and we got them all to sing and everything. Oh, that, that was just fabulous. So that's probably why the Viet Cong left us alone. Okay. Because apparently they lived up the street from us and had headquarters there. <laughs> the Rajas found themselves in another pinch-me-I'm-dreaming type moment. It's New Year's Eve 1965. All of a sudden, the Rajas have received a new gig for the night. They're now going to be filling in for American entertainment legend Bob Hope, as Bob has somehow become indisposed in transit and now can't make the gig. The new gig just happens to be in front of almost 5,000 US troops, aboard the 17-story aircraft carrier, the USS Kitty Hawk, then one of the biggest ships in the world. Sounds crazy, yeah, but no, it's true. No, well, it was Lucky Star and Cheryl Blake and, and the Rajas, and uh, they flew us up to Da Nang and then flew us out into the Gulf of Tonkin, and then we're only on this little plane, you know, uh, and we had to land in the middle of the ocean, and you could see the whole fleet there, and the Kitty Hawk looked like a matchbox from the from the air, you know, and we thought, how are we going to land on that? So we had to land on it, but, and, but you're sitting backwards, and you, you come down really quickly, and, and the hook grabs the plane, and you go, you pull up really fast. Anyway, they all come roaring out, there's 5,000 Men on the ship, like a floating city. I know it was, and they had ice cream machines. They had, they had they, you name it. They had everything, you know. And they had to, uh, we had to do two shows so that they could see us in shifts. And they had their own TV station. So as soon as we got there, we had to go and uh, and do an interview to, to, you know, about these Australians. So they treated us like, as far as they were concerned, we were the Australian equivalent of Bob Hope. In the end, they probably got more entertainment from you guys than they probably would have got from Bob Hope. Oh, the Yanks loved us. Yeah, just the fact that we come from Australia, you know. They just loved Australians. Even when we did the shows back in Saigon and, and uh, Benoit and Nui Dat and, and all those things, the Americans always thought the Australians were fabulous. They thought we were pretty good soldiers as well. Thanks for listening and thanks to Leon for your time. We'll end this episode with an original song by the Rajas, Let Me Tell You About a Guy. When you listen to this song, it's not hard to see how they got that huge warship, the USS Kitty Hawk, rocking and rolling. Let me tell you about a guy, guy, guy who's stolen my baby. Let me tell you about a guy, guy, guy who's stolen my love. Let me tell you about a guy, guy. With a broken heart Yeah, she was the girl Who I adored She was the girl Who I lived for She was the girl She was the girl Who I gave my love to I gave my love to He's gone and left her with no Let me tell you about a guy, guy, guy who stole my baby. Let me tell you about a guy, guy, guy who stole my love. Let me tell you about a guy, guy, guy who's left her downhearted. Yeah, this guy has gone and left her with a broken heart. <laughs> 
Molly, you've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. And presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, hit it, girl. I know.